I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back. We are closing out Matthew 7. We are in the Sermon on the Mount, and we have gotten past the uh, golden rule and are focused, uh, last time we talked about entering through the narrow gate and what that meant and how there's two paths in life. And we're going to pick up there again and then move into the next few verses about uh, false prophets and a tree and its fruit. Van, would you like to read those scriptures? Absolutely. Uh, Matthew 7, starting in verse 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Excellent. Great. So... Jesus calls, now I'm going to borrow terminology from Psalm 1, the way of the wicked, the easy or broad path, the one everyone is taking. Um, However, we see in Proverbs 13, 15, that this way is treacherous, rugged, or an enduring rut. I think it's hard to translate that verse, but I think that's what it might be saying. So my question is, how can the broad path be easy and hard? So I'd, I'd like to kind of throw somewhat of a wrench because that's what I do. Um, and, and I actually, I, I, I totally get what you're saying and I will answer the question, but I also don't think Jesus is saying that the way the people on the broad road here are wicked or evil. I, I don't actually see that in the text in Matthew. It seems like it's just easier to find and it's easier to be on. And it's sort of the default option. And it doesn't say the people are evil. It doesn't say the people are anything. It just is easier there. Um, and so it's kind of... The way of, of the wicked has such good alliteration, though, Jim. It does. That's, <laughs> now, that is fair. It does have the alliteration going for it. Um, I, I think it's more that the way, this way, this like broad road is where we just end up by default if we're not paying attention. Um, it, it's where we tend to go, and it's just where we go if we don't have the tools and the ability and the intention to get on the narrow road. Um, I, I think one example I'll have with this is uh, I have two young kids, and I think that almost universally every parent in the world is doing their best. Um, now, you, if you really want to nitpick me and talk about the like truly awful parents, then you can go have that conversation with yourself. But because <laughs> I don't really want to have that. But for the most part, in the people I interact with, every parent is doing their best. 
And I don't consider myself really all that good of a parent, but I've been given a lot of tools to address things in my kids' lives. Um, And just because we're Christians doesn't mean my friends who aren't Christians that my kids are any better than them or any better behaved than them or have better attitudes than them. It just means that I have been given the tools to address the issues in my kids' lives, whereas I'll see friends who will just kind of go, eh, what are we going to do? And I think, like, they're not evil because they don't have the tools. They're not, they don't love their kids any less because they don't have the tools. They just haven't been given the tools. And, and so I don't, I don't think Jesus is saying, calling these people evil. He's saying, you got to actually try to find it. Um, now, in terms of how can it be like easy and hard, it's easier to find. So you just kind of tend to go there. I mean, it's, it's the easy to find, but it's harder to walk. It, it, it has a lot more hardship. It has a lot, it might seem smoother, but you just don't have tools to handle life on the broad road. The narrow road is where you can get the tools to handle it. Hmm. So I think I'm going to throw a wrench at your wrench. <laughs> Do I get to throw the wrench back? Yeah. All right. If you can it's, dodge it's a ball, dodge you can ball dodge a wrench. If you can dodge a ball, you can dodge a wrench. <laughs> Is it? Does that testify to how big nerds we are that we all know the same <laughs> reference, or or how old we are? That one no, no, no. flies over my head. I, if it was a Star Wars yeah. reference, I would have been out. Because so know. I, you know, when you say I don't think that Jesus is calling them evil, I'm with you on that. Except a, like just a couple of verses later, he says, "Away from me, you evil doers." Which to me, when I get to that passage, I'm always, wow, how did they go from being, you know, uh, uh, sort of wandering down the broad road and we're going down the road in the sermon and suddenly they're evildoers. So I think that there is some room to say that he might be talking about evil and good. And I think that when I think about this, when I think about how can a road, how can the broad road be both hard and easy? I think of the sort of the dual nature of humans, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're physical beings, we have flesh, and we have spirit. And I think that the, the broad road is easy for our flesh. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's broad <laughs> and because it requires no effort to find it. He says that many take the broad road, but few find the narrow road. So taking a road because it's there and looking for a road that you don't necessarily see, it requires some effort. And I think the broad road is easy for our flesh. It's difficult for our our spirits, for Mm. our hearts, for our minds. That's where you get into the ruts. That's where you get in. You have the the consequences of living a life Mm. that is not in accordance with the will of God. Those consequences attack you during your life, and they attack you from within. They breed insecurity. They breed uh, uh, animosity. They breed all these things that 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 trouble our souls. 
not necessarily our flesh right away. Yeah. And in the same token, the the narrow road is in that sense easy on our souls but hard on our flesh. Mm-hmm. Because we have to we have to deny some of the 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 desires yeah. that come up with us as we look for that as we look for that narrow road and the the and both of them affect the other. So the broad road affects the soul, even mm-hmm. though it's comfortable to the flesh. Mm-hmm. The narrow road affects the body, even though it's comfortable for the soul. Mm-hmm. That uh, really we're, we're, we're creatures of a dual nature, but we, those two things work together. Mm-hmm. And so I think, that, I think that it is easy and hard. Both roads are easy and hard. Yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I answer the wrench van through into my argument? Sure. Um, so I, I absolutely agree with you. He's calling the people evildoers, but he's pu- I think he's also calling a specific group of people evildoers. He's talking about, he, I think he's talking about the people who are trying, get more into this, who are like presuming they're good and doing the things, but missing what's important. I won't get too much more into that. I don't think he's calling the everybody who stu- who just kind of takes the default road evil or ill-intentioned or wicked. That's interesting. We'll get into that more yeah, that, later that's because a, that's a, I, I, <clears throat> I think there's uh, some more things to to tease out of that. Because uh, Tim, did you have any thoughts about this? Because I not nothing that's significant enough to yeah. add. I guess for me, this seemed like a little like a frog, the frog being boiled. You know, like mm-hmm. you're in the the pot, and hey, it's nice swimming around in here. Oh, it feels so relaxing now, so warm. And then eventually, you don't realize you're getting cooked until mm-hmm. it's too late. You can't yeah. move and hop out. And I think that that uh, when I was thinking about this, I think it's sort of like that. You know, you everyone's on the broad path, and and mm-hmm. I think on the broad path, we 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 look for stuff to to provide meaning for us, for our lives. Like we we run after, and they're idols, basically. Anything that we don't run after God first is an idol. It's uh, like, I think of work or money or family, fame, sex, partying, whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, if it becomes an idol, and it could be a good thing, totally fine, but if it becomes an idol, like the most important thing, it will become a slave master and it will destroy us. And the thing that we we put before God, let's say it's work. Well, if it becomes if work is our master, we're gonna maybe burn ourselves out. We're gonna try to justify ourselves by what we do and try to get recognition that way or get affirmation from people around us. But you know, what if our boss ignores us? What if we don't get recognition? Well, it's going to destroy us. That'll be overwhelming for us. And I think that's that's like a, we talked about uh, appetizers in the last uh, <laughs> podcast, appetizers of, of heaven uh, in the church. And this is like an appetizer of hell, basically. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have the next question here. Up to this point, The sermon's been primarily, perhaps exclusively, concerned with the behavior of the listeners, uh, the people who are following Jesus. Why now does Jesus introduce these new quote-unquote prophets? What dangers do they pose to the people? In In verse 16, Jesus calls us to look at their fruit. What is the fruit that these false prophets produce? 
Yeah, Jesus paints two really graphic images here, I think. One of false prophets as wolves in sheep's clothing and another of a tree and its fruit. And with the the first, I think it's hard not to think of Ezekiel 34. That's what I thought of right away when, mm-hmm. you know, God's con- condemnation of the shepherds that devour their flock. And I, I think given that reference point, what I think Jesus is doing is calling out our spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Matthew's about to draw a distinction between Jesus and the religious leaders of, of the day at the end of the sermon. Jesus has actual authority. Um, but we, we have to be careful, I think, about who we let into our lives. Leaders have influence. And so, uh, I mean, incidentally, I think that's why the Bereans were noted as having noble character in Acts 17. They went back to the scriptures to see if Paul's words were true. Mm-hmm. And a false prophet doesn't say what God says. He, he distorts, neglects, twists, or outright fabricates lies. Mm-hmm. But it's not just what our leaders say that we must weigh here. We see that we must examine their lives. And I think the other thing that reminds me of is when Paul uh, tells Timothy and Titus to ensure that elders and deacons are serving, he gives them metrics to judge various people's fitness to serve. He tells them to do the same thing Jesus tells us here, examine their fruit. Do their children respect God? Do they know the proper use of money? Are they given to wild debauchery? Are they polygamists? There's a deep connection with what someone believes and says and how they live their life. In Jesus's example, the thorn bush, it doesn't have the right DNA or doctrinal DNA, we'll say, uh, to produce grapes. But if a tree is diseased, that's another thing. If a leader is relying on himself instead of Jesus, mm-hmm. it's not going to produce good fruit either. So mm-hmm. uh, I think, I don't know, God is, is going to hold leaders accountable so I think it's really important we pray for them, but I think we also have to, you know, examine yeah. things, keep our eyes open. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think Matt started pulling a great thread. And again, we could do a whole nother podcast on that, on this particular thread of uh, the leadership and the influence mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, in that. I, I think the thing I saw here that I've, I honestly missed for most of my Christian life um, until I stopped I've started to question my baseline Christian uh, interpretation of things, uh, which has been really helpful. And that's that we define false prophet almost exclusively by what comes out of a person's mouth, by what they say. Um, That's sort of how the Christian world defines false Mm. prophet. Like, do you say the right Mm. thing? Do you or not? Like, if you say what's accurate, you're a true prophet. If you say what's inaccurate, you're a false prophet. And... I think what's interesting in this section is Jesus doesn't say anything about the person's teaching. There's not a word about what the false prophet says. It's all about what their fruit is. It's all about what their life produces. And and when I think of fruit, I think of a natural consequence of living. Um, You either produce something good or you produce something bad. And what Jesus is telling here and Matt alluded to it with the religious leaders of the day, is that the fruit of what the Sadducees, who were kind of the in-charge people were producing, was division, was Mm. uh, Roman occupation, it was uh, corruption, they were horrifically corrupt. Um, that, That was their fruit, that's what they had produced. And what, on a more individual level, Jesus is telling us that, look, look at what people's lives produce. They can say everything perfectly. Like, if they actually say everything right, 
but their lives don't produce the things that God wants, then they're false prophets. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if they get their doctrine mm-hmm. perfect. It's what their life produces. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really hard thing for us because um, we want to say, oh, I got the... I got my doctrine accurate, so like, overlook the little things in my life in mm-hmm. in lives. And I'm not saying there isn't grace. I'm not saying, you know, we can't be forgiving. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I think we like to. We would love to be able to overlook a lot of things mm. in a way that Jesus is telling. No, I, I don't. I'm more concerned with how you live and how you treat people, and how. You actually walk out what I'm saying. Um, that was a big thing when he mm. said, abolish or fulfill. You know, you could have perfect doctrine and you can still abolish Torah by not walking it out well. Mm. And he's saying a, a real prophet walks this out well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're talking about that, Jim, I'm thinking about, uh, I don't know where it is in the Gospels, but uh, Jesus says, you know, you should listen to those who sit in Moses' seat, but be careful oh, not yeah. to do what they do, yeah. right? Right. And there's a mismatch there. They had great doctrine. Mm-hmm. They weren't living it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's so many things about false prophets that we see, we see that over and over and over again in the Old Testament of the, the true prophets hammering those who mm. were called to shepherd the flock and, and they were, they were just lying. They were calling yeah. good evil and evil good. Um, or maybe they were, you know, they were fasting, but it wasn't true fasting because they're oppressing people at the same time. All these different examples. Um, so I think, I think that's awesome point. I think the other, like, one of the things that I was thinking about from this is because we can be so focused on doctrine, right? We can kind of get caught up in these, I don't know, like we get caught up in the air, right? We get caught up in, and you know, Paul warns Timothy about that in like first Timothy. He's like, watch out for the people who like devote themselves to endless genealogies Mm -hmm. and to myths and to all Mm -hmm. this stuff. And they're like forgetting the gospel. They're forgetting, which is tied to like how they're living and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, Irenaeus brings up a point similar to that, but to me, it's basically like paraphrasing it. It's like, let's not get so caught up in the what ifs or the the mysteries and the, whatever that might be that we forget the things that are really obvious, yeah, and that are the bedrock of walking with God, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's what we'll see from if if there is a true prophet we'll see that they cling to they cling to the word, right? The capital right. W word, Jesus, and the the life that he lived. Um, and everything else will flow out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was reminded of something I heard someone say once, and that's that uh, there are people who have their doctrine perfectly correct, who, and we probably have met a few of them, who you see their lives and you go, oh, man, that guy's life is a mess, or that mm-hmm. her life is a mess, or... Gee, that family is a mess. Now, all our families are messes, but I'm not talking about standard mess. I'm talking about mm. real mess. Um, and then we have other people who don't claim to be Christian. They, they're not trying, but they have love, they have kindness, they have compassion literally flowing out of their pores. And 
it's hard to reconcile those things. But if, unless we can say, you know, God created that person to be this and show us, and we can call that good, mm-hmm. right? Like I know people in town who are great guys. They're not Christians. Hopefully they will be, but like God made them good in this way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, and it, and it can feel very like weird to go, oh, that's not good. But we have to be able to call it good when people are doing good things and have Jesus flowing out of them, even if they don't label themselves as Christians. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah, that's a whole nother. That's a whole that's nother a whole, podcast. I mean, I'm created in the image of God, and all people are created in the image of God, and so we all have the imprint of the divine on us, mm-hmm. and then that can manifest right. itself. And there's a we can have a dualism of like only... If, if the whole world is bad, if we reject that idea, right, and the whole world is evil, only Christians can be good, that's obviously totally false, but it's difficult to wrestle with the implications it's, of that. It's totally but. false, but it's a it's an idea that has a lot of traction, at least in certain amounts, in the Christ, mm-hmm. American Christian world. Yeah. And it's important that we don't buy into the only people who call themselves Christians can be good. Everything outside of that is evil when God actually does call creation good yeah yeah totally i I mean i feel like oh man so much i won't get into that but but there's gonna there's gonna we're gonna get into this too about Mm -hmm. in just a few verses really about how uh high these standards are of what good actually is i mean jesus Mm -hmm. when the the rich young ruler comes to him he says why do you call me good there's no one good except god Hmm. i mean yeah, and he is God in the flesh, so he's he's kind of like yeah. he's he's really pushing I do, on him. I do think when I think about when I when I read this passage and I'm thinking about false prophets, mm-hmm. I think what's the appeal of a false prophet, and I think of what I'm attracted to with what I um, consume, what I listen to, what I pay attention to. I want stuff that flatters me. Or mm. uh, soothes me, or entertains me, and if I'm flattered, entertained, and soothed, then I feel good. Yeah. And uh, but the truth doesn't always flatter. It never no. flatters. It occasionally comforts and soothes when I need it in the areas that I need it, and I, I think that. Um, part of what Jesus is talking about here is to be careful to to not listen to what they say, because what they say might flatter or soothe or comfort you in some way. You have to look at how they're living. Yeah. And he could say this because he he was Jesus, and they could look at how he was living, and they could say, yeah, what he's saying is consistent with how he lives his life. Yeah. And so I can follow him. I wonder if it requires a little bit more work than yeah. just the sitting back and consuming. Yeah. Can I, I I'd love to add to that because there's was it entertain, comfort, and soothe, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so the those those can look like maybe categorizing in two different ways. Like that can look by making some making things easier, right? right. Sometimes, though, they can make it look by setting the bar even higher. 
mm. right? And and it depends on depending on who you connect with and what your personality type. You know, maybe you 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 accept a false doctrine that is like super con- restrictive and mm. like what it does is it, it it puts up many more walls and all those sort of things um, makes it impossible to walk with God. Mm-hmm. That I think the unifying thing behind a lot of false teaching is that it streamlines things, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the truth mm-hmm. is challenging and I wrestling with the truth, like confronts my assumptions. It confronts yep. my world. It confronts how I act, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. And a false teaching allows parts of me that are not in line with God's reality to stay the way they are because I can can smooth the edges a little bit, right? right? It's giving you the false sense of you're in control still somehow. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't really have to Or I don't need to give something up, right? I don't need to get from, like, and the reason why I say it can make things harder, like, for me, one of the things, I don't need to give up the fact that I am capable of accomplishing my own like mm. salvation, right? Mm-hmm. I am capable mm-hmm. of having that level of control, right? Like I need to actually give that up mm-hmm. yeah. in like a profound way. And so the, the false teachings that I can be uh, suspect to, right? Are the ones that basically proclaim that self-sufficiency in some way. Yeah. So I, I just, I think. And giving that up hurts. It does. Yeah, whatever right. whatever the false reality <laughs> right. is, like everyone's got a slightly different yeah. version, but yeah. it's it's tough. And so that that so the soothing word you said, right? Mm-hmm. That's like so key, I think, yeah. to realize like, oh, this is like really great to hear. Like I love this. It's like, <laughs> well, I, hmm. you, you used a word that made me go, "Oh, oh, oh." Uh, and that was streamlined. Yeah. Um because you, you mm. when you said like it streamlines everything, it makes it simple. It makes it easy. It makes it quick and like there's nothing in the text that says anything is quick Mm -hmm. it doesn't say like i think and again we have a baseline expectation that everything should be fast and quick and like microwave fast food all that but efficient yeah efficient (laughs) but we whenever we look through the text nothing was efficient it took decades Mm -hmm. for people to be molded Uh, like it wasn't uh, it wasn't overnight and so it I Oftentimes love, it's the suffering. Yeah, it, and, it, it. Mm-hmm. and it's like you can't be who God wants you to be, who God's calling you to be in this sermon without going through the process of getting there. Mm-hmm. And and that process is long. It's the, it's the narrow road. Yeah. It's hard. It's suffering. And you can't get to where you need to get to without actually walking through it. Mm-hmm. And I think Tim did a really good job pointing that out, that false prophets tend to streamline. Yeah, you don't have to go through all the suffering. You can just, you don't have to go through all the stink to get to the good. Mm -hmm. You can just be the good. Well, it's like, no, God goes, no, I'm going to take you through the stink. Yeah. And it's going to, and you're going to be good at the end. Van, I was thinking of Ananiah when you were bringing up this, you know, something you, you said about soothing made me think, I wonder if that's what he, you know, when he gets up and hey, everything's going to be okay. Thus says the Lord. And Je- Jeremiah's like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> right. He's like, I love it yeah. if God was saying that. that, that be, that'd, be, that'd be great. But they no. say peace, peace when there is no peace. 
Yeah. And they and then they live like that. Right. And they live and they they tell you everything's okay and they mm-hmm. they don't follow what Torah says. And for a while it might feel good, but oh man, this is why you yeah. really have to pay attention. That's the hard part with fruit is that fruit can sometimes take decades yep. right. to to show itself. That's right. And so I mean <sighs> That's the next question, which we'll probably have to get yeah. to next okay. pod. <laughs> All right. So uh, thank you very much, guys. This has been fun. And uh, we got through a couple questions here about uh, how the way could be hard. The broad path could be hard and easy. Uh, and we're, we're starting to dive in now on uh, false prophets and uh, fruit. And we'll pick that up again next time. <laughs>